Welcome back to another exciting week in the Web3 universe. I'm your host, The Mayor, and you're listening to the best NFT media-nominated NFT and Chill podcast, the show that discusses interesting topics with artists, creators, and thought leaders from the Web3 space. Sketch Poetic, and we're going to be talking about mental health and wellness in Web3, but coupled with art and how she incorporates her art into the whole mental health and wellness. So sit back and chill while we explore the exciting world of Web3 and NFTs together. Who I have with me today is Sheila Darcy from Sketch Poetic? Yes, yeah, so Sketch Poetic is my pseudonym, kind of my artist name. Awesome. Yeah, like the mayor, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think awesome. everyone on Twitter knows me as Sketch Poetic. Super stoked to have you here. And why don't you give the listeners an introduction? Hi, everyone. I'm Sheila Darcy. I am an artist and author of Sketch by Sketch, A Creative Path to Emotional Healing and Transformation. I'm also a huge mental health advocate, and my presence in Web3 is really focused on arts and healing. Yeah, let's let's get into the whole mental health, wellness, and how you incorporate that with, with art. What's interesting is I started sketching daily to process my anxiety. I had really bad anxiety about, well, it's been probably 15 years in the making, but seven years ago, I hit a major burnout at work. And I was avoiding a lot of emotions that I didn't want to feel. And I finally saw a therapist. I had never done therapy, had major stigma around it. And in the process of that conversation, she said, do you have a healthy way to express your emotions? And I remembered as a kid, I used to draw. And I said, you know, I used to draw. She goes, have you thought of doing that to release your emotions? And I never really thought about it that way. And so six months later, I quit this job that was stressing me out. And I started sketching daily and it changed my life, Tyler. Like seriously, I. I didn't expect the transformative way it would change me. Like I thought it was just going to be this meditative act. But as I did it every day, I could feel my entire world shifting and I started to become still, which was really something I could never do before. That is awesome. And like I have no problem being still. Like I don't even register heartbeats over here. (laughs) (laughs) What's your name? Yeah, (laughs) and Chill. Have you sold any of your art as NFTs in the space? Yes, that's so interesting. Prior to that, I hadn't really been actively selling my art. See, my big thing is I'm all about playing. And so when I went into NFTs, I didn't do it with the purpose of making money. I genuinely thought like, let me try out OpenSea, Foundation. You know, I'd even played with Tezos at the time. I guess my work was connecting with some collectors, but mostly because I was so active in the space. So I think a lot of people, as you know, buy from people. They don't just buy the art. They collect from the person that they appreciate. And so I think all my spaces that I'd been hosting around health and wellness really resonate with a lot of people. I try to have stressed that a lot on this podcast that, you know, if you're looking to get into the space as a creator or just trying to do something as an artist as well, being active, participating in Web3 and Twitter spaces, engaging with other people's posts, communities, just supporting each other has done wonders for you, obviously, which is awesome. Yeah. I think what you just said is such a huge part of Web3. I mean, I I know a lot of us We've used NFT and Web3 synonymously. The reality is people outside looking in, we had a lot of skeptics, a lot of critics. 
if you go into the space with the sole purpose of learning and engaging with the community, you'll notice that the culture of the people that are there are so open, so inviting. Uh, we're all in it together. And then, of course, now we're in the crypto winter and the people that are still here are still building. That's why I'm here. It's really honestly that aspect of being a part of something, a movement where we're kind of all feeling the same thing at the same time. And coming from, you know, the pandemic, that didn't seem very, you know, common. I think all of us felt isolated at some point. NFTs got their like renaissance, I believe, is the pandemic and also the GameStop and AMC and all of that. What would you say to people who are struggling with mental health in Web3? Because it is 24 seven. Yeah. And if you know, you're managing a discord, it is a full time job 24 seven. I'm going to steal from Simon Sinek, who talked about the why, you know, know your why. When I came into the space, like I said, I went in with the sole purpose to learn and to grow and to innovate. And then somewhere along the road, I noticed people started to be triggered by all the things that we get triggered by in the world, right? In Web3, it's super accelerated. The one thing that we can all attest to with technology is it happens in such an accelerated way that we end up feeling everything so fast and so quickly, and we don't have time to integrate, and we don't have time to basically reflect and respond because we're moving on from thing to thing. So the best piece of advice I'd give people, Tyler, is to pause, take stock of where you are and why you're doing it. If you're doing it for the likes, if you're doing it for the collectors, collect your art, if you feel like you're only engaging to shill and to be seen, then I think you are losing a huge part of why Web3 is so important because it's in the process, it's in the building where the, I guess, the sustainability of the space is going to lie is you have to check yourself constantly. And this is the same advice I'd give people outside of Web3. So if you find yourself caught up in the rat race of all the reasons why people get triggered, right? They're not being seen. They don't feel like their work is being valued. Triggers all of those things. But it's not It's not just Web3. It's happening in the real world. It's just happening at a very accelerated rate. So just take a moment to reflect on why you're here. And if the reasons aren't about you anymore, probably need to take a break. Or maybe just not stay as active, just observe and watch it versus you know constantly feeling like you have to engage. And Twitter is a really bad tool for that because if you don't engage on Twitter, the algorithm sucks. Like I remember being offline for two weeks. I didn't even recognize my feed. I didn't know anyone on my feed. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, we're kind of slaves to algorithms these days. You yeah. kind of have to know each platform and how the algorithm works and really, you know, stick to it. I have found that taking, even if it's just a day off when you start to yes. feel things are kind of spinning out of control or you're getting worn down, walking away from the cell phone yeah. and just taking time to yourself, I think that helps out a lot. I mean, I've taken an entire week off. When I was gone for two weeks, it was for that purpose. It's also losing the joy in it. I know that sounds simple, but I am all about chasing the joy, chasing the bliss. And the moment you feel like it's work, because this isn't a job, unless you're getting paid, which some of us are, I, I'm not, but some people are, that's great. And you're not finding joy in this. I don't know. It feels like an empty existence to me. You know, you find something that makes meaning, gives you meaning and gives you excitement. Yeah, 100%. What do you have coming down the pipe? Well, first of all, thanks for asking. This is the year, Tyler, that I decided to double down on being a full-time artist. And that's a huge big deal for me because my entire life, I've had a safety net of salary. That was one of the reasons I was having mental health crisis. The idea of going down a path that was uncertain, that I couldn't guarantee that I would get a paycheck every two weeks, terrified the crap out of me. And it took me a long time to make this leap. So to answer your question, right now I'm working on a physical exhibit with my co-creator, Paula Rubis. She's from Neo Sutras. Her and I did an event 
content. In fact, last year in November at Super Chief Gallery, we did a art tech and wellness event. That physical exhibit is a number one focus for me. I also want to do a solo exhibit, but more of a performance art piece that shows the process of what I do. When I sketch, what I'm doing is not only free flow sketching. So I I allow myself to just free flow, but I'm also tapping into my body and allowing my body to release all that crap that's in there. I mean, we're talking about lifetimes of trauma and anxiety. What I hope to get out of my daily sketching and my future exhibit is to show how people can use art to heal. And the one thing I will say, Tyler, that I think is important for people that's listening is if you look at the mental health crisis and healthcare in the US, I'll just speak to the US, it is a travesty that it costs so much to get help. Healthcare is so expensive in the United States. And one of the reasons I used to be terrified of losing my job was healthcare. I've never understood that. I grew up in Australia and we had, you know, as a socialistic country, you had universal healthcare. And so I'm only saying that because art heals, but it's free. You just need a pen and a paper. Any person, a homeless person can get a pen and a paper. And I'm a huge advocate of that because I think if people can connect to the aspect of the healing and know that it's free, they would understand the power of it. You know, it's really a shame. I mean, just north of the border, it's free. People go down to Mexico to get their teeth done. They go up north, you know, to get surgery. They surgeries. go to Canada to get yeah. healthcare. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so crazy. It I mean, there's a lot of good things about the States, but that's not one of them. Term starving artist probably <laughs> plays a little bit into, you know, the fear of going full time, but that's huge. That's very cool. Thank you very much. And I think doubling down as an artist isn't just about the art. I had a friend tell me once, people are only going to value your art if you value it. You know, we chase the collector, we chase the value of what we think it's worth. But if at the core of who you are, you don't think it's worth that, then that's an issue. So basically, that's what I've been doing. I've been focusing on understanding my work. And that's where a lot of my mental health journey has been. So I think a lot of starving artists suffer from this. You know, the this idea that it's supposed to be freaking hard. (laughs) (laughs) And that it's not meant to be easy. And that we're supposed to prove ourselves to our collectors. And that's not true. I think that's, like you said, certainly something that's been conditioned in us to believe. Yeah. You know, as someone who kind of studies the human condition, I mean, fear is is not a real thing. Fear is only something your imagination creates. It's difficult to put into practice. This imposter syndrome is a very real thing. I suffered from it at the beginning of this podcast. Thank God for the the Facefish Mafia community and other Web3 communities that just kept telling me to put out episodes and we want more episodes. You know, it's a difficult thing to get through. Just know if you're creating something and you have at least have one person out there who is enjoying it, then it's worth it. Absolutely. From an artist standpoint, how has the scene been for you through market that we're in now and trying to sell your works? You know, it's a complex answer because you could go through all the different channels of how the space has evolved and how we have evolved as people in Web3. I I remember when we first started, even the platforms were having fun. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like the platforms were all experimenting. And then somewhere, I think it was like end of 2021, all the money started pouring in. I think deep down, we knew it was going to be a season. First, it was super exciting. And then those opportunities started to wane. And the people that were getting those opportunities were influencers or people that seemed to have the influence and people that had any sort of insecurity, any sort of um, feeling that they didn't belong. It triggered them, right? And then there's people like me that were building for the sake of building that didn't get caught up in any of it. And I didn't. I can honestly say I didn't get caught up in the fast and the excitement of the big bang of all the money flowing in because I knew that this is part of the journey. 
And so the good news is, while a lot of people have left, as you know, from crypto winter, I'd say 80% of my collection, those people are gone. I don't regret collecting any of those people. Because what I did is I collected a moment in time. And I know that that is going to be worth something, whether or not it's going to be worth money, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like a time capsule. Now, I think what's going to happen, and it's already happening, it's stabilizing. I think the connections that we're making are more meaningful. Because you're like, oh, I met Tyler, and he's still here, right? He's still doing these podcasts. And there's something about that that I know creates value for people in terms of their connection with you and connection with me. Because we're still here. And we're still learning and we're still growing and we're still taking the punches. <laughs> we are the ones that are going to be here in the future. Yeah, I, I love that sentiment. I mean, it's kind of got like this romantic feel to it where like your name is etched on like the zeitgeist of the uh, early days of Web3. Yeah, it already is. Your podcasts <laughs> are going to be living on forever. <laughs> <It'll>, <laughs> Absolutely. You, you captured that. That's pretty freaking incredible. Where is your collection? What blockchain? Yeah, I started in OpenSea and I did these one-on-one drops. I did Foundation. I got an early invitation from Justin Aversano. And then my two special collections are Unknown Origin. And then I dropped my collection of sketches from my book that I uh, published in 2021. And both collections did really well. The first one sold out completely. And the second one, I dropped the beginning of Crypto Winter. And so it didn't sell out, but it sold well. Through this crypto winter, NFTs have definitely taken kind of a back seat. A project like Pudgy Penguins has something like new and innovating and a plan moving forward. For the most part, it's been a struggle. How do you see the future of NFTs in this space? I think in this moment in time, Tyler, you can't talk about it without talking about other technologies that are now pervading the space. AI tools are going to take a lot of the forefront. So here's my predictions. I believe brands are still going to come in. And the brands that are coming in now are going to be different. There's going to be the brands that are still here, like timepieces. You know, that's a brand that I think everyone can understand and rally around. But then there are going to be brands that aren't here for the cash grab. We've all seen the cash grab, and we're going to be a lot more discerning. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to have brands that are interested in the tech and the art and the community. I believe that's what we need is that type of brand, that those types of communities. In real life events are going to become more and more important because what we realize from the very first kind of evolution of Web3, we can't just be connecting on the digital way. Like I think physical connections, what it does is not only does it strengthen the connections you're making in Web3, but it expands the impact and reach and what you've done in the digital space. I do think digital, like the spatial crypto voxels, all of these kind of online communities. I still think they need to be refined. That Some experience is still very clunky to me. Uh, you know, you've got Discord. I know people are majorly burnt out with Discord. I think what's going to happen is new technology is going to be introduced to address these pain points. And that's what innovation is. Innovation at the core is learning what worked and what didn't work. Oh, the other big thing, of course, is, you know, royalties, you know, all this discussion around royalties. So I think the question for me that I don't have an answer to, Tyler, is what does it mean for the artists? You know, I think the artists that joined came because of this idea of sovereignty and decentralization and finally making money. And a lot of those things are starting to collapse, like, you know, the removal of royalties, for example, or certainly the proliferation of all these platforms. Now having all these microcosms of communities collecting, you know, you don't have a concentration anymore like you did back in the day with OpenSea. I think that's the bad in terms of challenges. There's going to be a lot more competition, but then on the positive, the mass market's going to come in, but I think the price points are going to be a lot more uh, affordable. I think it's going to be more like what it is now with open editions, people buying NFTs for free just to get to know you. So a lot of marketing strategies will have to change. 
love those predictions. That sounds like, you know, a future that I could definitely get on board with. We definitely need more innovation and more practical usage for use cases of these NFTs. Utility is important, right? And practical uses of the day-to-day. To where when people are using them, they don't know they're in Web3. Like, you know, stop calling it Web3 when you're trying to market to Web2. You know, tell them how to do it. Tell them what they're benefiting if they do it. And that's, you know, basically it. Yo, you just said something really important. You know how often I hear people educating Web2 people on Web3? People really don't know what Web3 is. And Web3 is innovation. We're still in it. Really makes me laugh that people talk about Web3 as if they're looking back. We are in Web3. We're building Web3. The big major focus on AI right now is an example. AI has been around for a long time. It's not as if AI has just come out of nowhere. It's been around for years. What's happened, though, is the interest. And you know what What I think is important that we should call out here is we talked about the Renaissance, right? Part of the reason AI is taking off is it's helping writers and artists. And it's also hurting writers and artists. There's always two sides to every story. But the moment that art and you know creative expression got lopped into AI, that's not a coincidence. There's something about the movement of art that's causing people to really take notice. And that's the reason I'm so passionate about what I do, because the fact that I'm talking about mental health with art is why people are taking notice. If I took art away and I just talked about mental health, I will just be one of many people talking about mental health. But there's something about art, creativity, and being a creator that people are just desperately hungry for. Because at the base of who we are, we were children creating. And then as we got older, we got conditioned to stop playing. We got conditioned to follow the rules. And if we just go back to who we've always been, you'll realize that a lot of this crap that holds us down, it just goes away. And that's why I'm passionate about what I do. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, speaking of AI, AI has been trying to kill John Connor since the early 80s. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. So true. <laughs> that's so good. I recently found out that in the Middle East and in certain countries, there are artificial intelligence manned drones that are targeting potential threats and taking them out, actually killing people without any human intervention whatsoever. The artificial intelligence designates that it's a potential threat and destroys it without prosecution, without intervention from human beings. Some of this stuff is already kind of starting, so it's up to us on the limits of this technology. And if you really want to fall down a rabbit hole, check out the dead internet theory. I won't get into it on this podcast, but check out some YouTube videos, read about it. I mean, there is some very compelling evidence that AI is controlling what we see in Web 2's version of the internet. And it's all about ads, making money, and creating narrative. And, you know, the whole chat GPT thing that's exploding right now, that's a wild scene. For me, that's the fascinating part is the use cases. And I'm like, I never would have thought of that. And for me, Web3, like when I say Web3, it's more of like a culture to me. If you believe in decentralization, if you use DeFi, if you're into crypto and NFTs, all of that combined is Web3. Now, what it'll actually become, you know, the as far as the internet goes, nobody knows. Culture and connection, I love that you called it out because if you saw a graphic, an infographic of what Web 1, Web 2, Web 3 is, if you look at it outside of the technologies that were introduced, it really was about connection, right? Web 1 was about email and the internet, and then Web 2 was about social media. Well, Web 3 is about the proliferation of this advanced technology that is either going to help us deepen our connection 
or it's going to tear us apart. And that's at the core of why people are arguing the point. Because, and I love that you study the human condition. It is a humanitarian evolution right now of what's happening. We either are going to work well with tech and use it for good or we're not. Social media at the core was supposed to be a point of connection globally. And then, of course, what happened? Money flowed in. Advertisers came in and skewed everything. And then, of course, the people that controlled the platform, all they cared about was the revenue and profits. For me, the human condition is what we value. And that's my own soapbox that I talk about in spaces around people's challenge with AI. I'm like, I'm not even going to get in the argument about if AI is good or bad. What I will argue is technology is only going to go in the direction of what we value as humans. So if we value speed, commodification, everything's fast, but we don't value process in addition to, like, I'm not saying you should only value this. If you can value both, you know, speed and quality, but also process and creativity and imagination, they can reside in both spaces. We have so much fear around it all that we tend to choose a lane, but we don't have to choose a lane. Both can exist. And I think until we get to that point as humans that we don't have to choose a lane, we're going to constantly face this crisis. And you made up a great point with AI and technology and like what we do with it. Robert Oppenheimer with what he was doing with his technology and how he regretted it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am become death destroyer of worlds. So Sheila, Powerful. thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You want to tell the audience where they can find you? Good news is it's easy. Sketch Poetic. Sketch Poetic. I'm on Instagram and Sheila Darcy with an E on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. And if you want to check out past episodes discussing the future of NFTs with Kyle Tut, that was episode 31. If you enjoyed this episode, also check out episode 13 with Rich Cardona, which is focusing on mental health in Web3. And that's it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Sheila Darcy, Sketch Poetic, for coming on. Definitely check her out. She's doing some awesome things in the space. And I want to thank Katie Chinakis for recommending Sheila. If you haven't checked out her podcast, she's all over the place. Definitely do so. I want to thank each and every listener from all over the world for tuning in and supporting the show, especially on social media. It's been a huge help. We couldn't do any of this without you. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week. I'm the mayor, and you've been listening to the NFT and Chill Podcast. Peace.